The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands. In perfect victory, while you have breath. have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to is a shelter from the coming storm while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm
Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's not been commercialized like Christmas. It is about family and friends having time together. (laughs) So all this week, I'm celebrating Thanksgiving. This morning, my sweetheart and I went to a coffee shop and had an orange cranberry scone with a pumpkin pie latte. It was awesome. Thanksgiving is a time to come before the Lord, praise his name and worship him. That's what I've been doing this week, as I do every week. By the way, the opening song, a number of you have told me you don't, you don't like this song very much. My brother's feedback was, Ray, I don't like that song. And others of you have told me, I prefer the other variety of Christian music. To be honest with you, I don't like it much either. I'll tell you why I use it. Because I recognize the storm is beginning to break on America. And my interest in this broadcast is to prepare your heart in every way possible to weather the coming storm and go through victoriously where we will have an awesome Thanksgiving day with Jesus Christ. If you want to leave a comment on the on the chat line and tell me, Pastor, change that music. Or if you agree with me that we better listen carefully to the words of that song and we better be ready for the storm that's breaking on America. In ancient times, the kings, to show their glory, would hold lengthy banquets. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We're talking today about King Belshazzar. He was the grandson, they think, of Nebuchadnezzar by way of one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters. He was the last king of Babylon before Medo-Persia took it over. Now, he gave a great banquet. More than a thousand of his nobles gathered with their wives to celebrate, to have dinner with Belshazzar. In that day, it was feast or famine often. And this was a night of feasting and drinking. In the midst of this banquet, as his mind is already being befogged by his alcoholic beverages, he gave orders to bring the goblets of gold and silver that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. And so he passed these out to his nobles, to their wives, to his concubines. And they began to drink from them. And as they did so, they began to lift them up. And they began to praise their gods of gold and silver, power, authority. This Thanksgiving, many Americans are going to sit after they've had their feast. They're going to sit and watch football games or some kind of sport. They have no concept that there is a God in heaven and he sees what we do. And what we say. Now, in America, 
we've lost any notion that Jonathan Edwards had as he preached in the first great awakening in America, preparing the way literally for the American people to rise up against England, giving a a biblical and spiritual base to the nation from which they could rebel with courage. This was a much different revolution than the one that took place in France, where the goddess of reason was lifted up, where men were guillotined, women were guillotined. It was bloodthirsty. In America, it was an honest turning from England and calling for independence to form a nation under God. But it's been many, many years since we have demonstrably seen the hand of God move in great judgment against this nation. The last great judgment that God brought upon America was the Civil War, and that was the judgment of God against America for slavery, for injustice, for the way the North treated the South. There was a great deal of injustice in this nation, racial, financial, commercial. And God reached out his hand and struck this nation, turning this nation against itself, brother killing brother in a sweeping bloodshed event that sobered this nation. We've not seen war on our geographic property. We have waged war against many peoples, Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Syria, now waging war against Russia, sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. It's such idiocy, such utter wickedness. We are going to see again the hand of God strike this nation in such a manner that all of us will say, this is a biblical punishment against our nation. And many will be angry and bitter. Some will repent. I want you to understand that God rules and that there are consequences for our actions. Now, today you can fornicate, you can steal, you can lie, you can cheat, you can gossip, you can murder. And often there will be no consequences for your wicked actions. You can do what Hunter Biden has done and our president has done, but because they control the levers of government and the Department of Justice and the FBI, there seemingly are no consequences for utter wickedness. We see corruption in our Senate, in our Congress. We see corruption in our government, local But seemingly there is no judgment from God against all this wickedness. But I'm coming to say to you, please, there are direct consequences for sinning against the Almighty God. And America is going to see very soon the storm break upon us And we are going to see a shortage of food and oil and gas. We're going to see the consequences of our wickedness. 
We're going to see a complete collapse of the world economy led by the United States of America. Now, we need to begin to look at this in terms of our own accountability before a holy and righteous God and recognize that there are consequences for our actions. There were consequences for Belshazzar. He was scorning the God of heaven. He was deliberately turning his knowledge away from what God did with Nebuchadnezzar. God brought great judgments upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he finally humbled his heart before God after seven years of losing his mind. Yes, God can take your mind. I hate to tell you this, but I have seen many times where God has taken a person's mind from them. And it's an ugly sight. Belshazzar, drunk with all of his nobles and their wives, feasting and drinking, when suddenly they see the fingers of a hand, a partial hand in the fingers, floating in the air. And then they see it with a pen, begin to write on the plaster wall. Everybody can see it. Nebuchadnezzar is terrified. He's never seen anything like this. He knows that this is the hand of God. He watched. His face turned pale. His knees knocked together, and the scriptures say in the NIV, his legs gave way, probably meaning he peed his pants. He was terrified. The king immediately called for his enchanters and astrologers and diviners. All the wise men, he brought them in. He told them that if they could read the writing, they would be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around their neck. They could not read it because it was written in Old Hebrew. It was the hand of God using the language of God. So they could not read it. And when they told the king they could not read it, the king became even more terrified. Now, the whole room with over a thousand people was in total commotion. Everybody was talking. Everybody was pointing. What could this possibly mean? This is terrifying. I'm sure they're right on the verge of running. The queen is the queen mother was passing by outside and she heard the voices of the king and his nobles as they were calling out and crying out, terrified. She comes into the banquet hall. This was not customary. She should not be there. But she comes in and she stands before Belshazzar and she says, don't be alarmed, calm down. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. She describes him. And Belshazzar immediately calls for Daniel to be brought in. Now, Daniel at this point is an old man. He's not involved in the kingdom. Daniel is brought before the king, and the king says to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight and intelligence and understanding. Now, 
Now he tells him, I will reward you by making you the third highest ruler. See, Belshazzar has a king over him. But Belshazzar is the one who's in charge. And he tells Daniel, I'll make you the third highest ruler. If you can tell me what this means, you'll be clothed in purple, which means you are now a part of royalty. And you will be given a gold chain recognizing your status. Now, I love the way Daniel, at this point in his life, no longer bows and scrapes for any king. He says, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and I will tell you what it means. And then he does a review of the history lesson. This is Daniel 5. I'll begin reading in verse 18. You need to hear this history lesson that Daniel shares. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness, glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. I want you to hear, Daniel is saying, God gave Nebuchadnezzar his position of power. God gave Joe Biden his place of power. Now, why would God give wicked men positions of power? Because the great beast system of Revelation 13 is now in the process of arising, and the mark of the beast will come forth. And there will be a great division between the followers of Jesus and the followers of the beast power. And so God is allowing wicked men and even putting wicked men in office to bring about the final destruction of the earth and the claiming of his people for eternity. Continuing, those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven, and he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives, your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life, and your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. God is making a decision about your life. You think, oh, I'm just living my life the way I want to live it. It's party time. It's relaxed time. It's fun time. Please hear me. A record is being kept of everything you do and say. And you will face the judgment bar of God. You will face the law of God. And you will be judged. And there will be very severe consequences for your actions where you 
flaunted in God's face, your supposed freedom and your arrogance and not even believing he exists, which is utter stupidity. Read Romans, the first chapter. Now, this is what was written on the wall. Meaning, 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 God has numbered, or God has measured, or God has counted your years, your days, your hours. And he's made the decision to end your time on earth. He has brought you, he has brought your kingdom to an absolute end. Now what Belshazzar didn't realize is that the king of the Medes and the Persians had found a way to divert the Euphrates River that ran right through the middle of Babylon. They'd found a way to divert that river into a great pond or a marshland. And even as now this hand is writing, the soldiers are ready to march under the wall with a dry Euphrates River and to take the city. The second word that was written was tickle. It means you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting, or you have been found to be a lightweight. Now, this terrifies me. It terrifies me. Why? Because God knows what I do and what I say. And if I say something to establish myself as being something in the face of God, I will be judged as a lightweight. And I will face the same thing Belshazzar faced. I will face judgment. Now, this is so subtle, and it's so easy to do. I was talking with a man today, and he was telling me how he loves to help people. How a man came and sat down beside him and began to talk, and he'd he'd walk 20 miles to go to a job interview. His feet were sore and, and bleeding. He was hungry, and he had to walk all the way home. And he told me, how in his kindness he gave him $50. At that point, this man was earning $8 an hour. He gave out of his $8 an hour $50 to this man who sat and looked like he was going to cry. It meant everything to him. So, of course, I can tell him stories about Now, I've done that too. So now we're on an equal par. We've both done this. And then I upped it and talked about a family that had given me $1,000 and asked me to give it to someone who needed it some time back. They didn't want to give the money to a large institution. They wanted it to go from their hand to my hand to someone who desperately needed it with no money being taken out for me or an institution. I told them I did that. Well, as I thought about it later, what what did I do? I jumped it way up. So now... I'm somebody. I was wrong. I had to repent this morning. Before the broadcast, I was repenting before God. Because what had I done? 
I said, I'm responsible for not $50. I'm responsible for $1,000. I'm, I'm somebody. No, I'm not. I'm nobody. And it happens so quickly. Over here in, in the book of 1 John, I want to read this to you. You all know this passage, but let's apply it. 1 John, the second chapter. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. What had I done? Unconsciously, I had one-upped him and boasted about what I did. I was wrong. That was sin. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Don't do it again. Don't one-up somebody. I can tell you now, at Thanksgiving meal with your family, there will be a whole series of one-upmanship that will go on. And God hates it because it's arrogance before him. Instead of standing with a man who is not a Christian, who gave $50 out of a very small paycheck, I had to one-up him. Makes God angry. Boasting about what you have or what you do makes God angry. The lust of your flesh, as you give way to that wickedness, makes God angry. Giving way to all of the comfortable pleasures of America makes God angry. When it's selfish and it's about you, makes God angry. So I read this. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. God is going to check how heavy or how light you are in obedience to his kingdom. And if you're a lightweight, you will be cast out. I don't want to be cast out. I want to have weight in the heavenly realm. The weight of the Holy Spirit, the weight of obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thanksgiving is coming. I don't want to thank my job or the amount of money I have or the luxuries I might have. I want to thank God, for my life is in his hand. As Jonathan Edwards said, your life is in his hand, and he can turn this hand over and let you drop into the pit of hell at any moment. I don't want to be lightweight. I don't want to up the ante with people. I want to, I want to humble my heart before men and women. I want to recognize their wonderful charity. I don't want to be somebody. This temptation happens to us so unconsciously that we say it. And it is just pure selfishness. You are being weighed on the balance in God's hand, in the scale on God's hand. He is weighing you today. He is weighing America today. 
and he is making decisions. It should scare you. It terrifies me that, that totally distant from my consciousness, a conscious being, the Almighty God, is making decisions for eternity about my life. Does that scare you? Do you like someone that you're not even conscious of making decisions about where you will spend your eternity? What is going to happen to you? What discipline he will bring? Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Whether he will give you a whipping. I've had many whippings from God, and they are, everyone, very, very painful but out of those whippings came a harvest of righteousness where I said, I won't do that anymore. And the whipping I got this morning was well-deserved. And I'm not going to do it again. I'm asking the Lord, make me conscious. Don't let me live in arrogance or pride or selfishness. Lord, don't weigh me and find that I'm a lightweight and not worth saving. We don't even like to think about, is there the possibility that in your life you are not worthy or you are not worth saving and God will send you to hell? Because you have no value, you have no weight, you have rebelled, you have gone your own way, you have taken the name of the Lord in vain by the way you have lived, you have worshipped your luxury, you've worshipped your intelligence, you've worshipped what you have and what you do. And God is saying, you're a lightweight. I can't save you. There's nothing in you that I can grab a hold of to pull you out of the kingdom of darkness. So I'm I'm letting the wind of the devil blow you away to hell, to destruction. We come then to the third word. Perez or Farson. The NIV says, Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Literally, your kingdom is taken from you, and you are on your way to hell. And then Daniel was clothed in purple. The gold chain was hung around his neck. And he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And the scriptures say that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over his kingdom at the age of 62. History tells us that it was an inside job that two of his servants killed the king. He didn't get the honor of being executed by the new king. He's slain because he's a lightweight. Daniel, on the other hand, is third highest in the kingdom. And under the new king, Darius, He is one of three administrators appointed by this new king. Daniel is honored by God. He is not a lightweight. He has weight in the heavenly realm. But Belshazzar, he has no weight. And because he has no weight, 
he's cast out. Now in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You have received a calling to become one with Jesus, to leave the world, the flesh, and the devil, to separate yourself out, bearing with one another in love. I don't know how to quite say this to you, but I'll just say it. Many times when the family all comes together to celebrate a Thanksgiving or a Christmas meal, there is intense fighting and bickering. Put-downs, separations. Don't let that happen to you this Thanksgiving. If you're going to a Thanksgiving meal with family, go with joy and just love on those people. If you're having a Thanksgiving by yourself, set two places at the table and invite Jesus to come and sit and eat with you. No one should eat Thanksgiving alone. So set that plate for Jesus and invite him to come and fellowship with you. And then pray and thank him and honor him and glorify his name. Lift up your cup to Jesus and glorify his name. I have the privilege this Thanksgiving of going to a Italian restaurant. One I didn't choose. My wife and I are going to join together with our producer and my brother in Christ and sister in Christ, Ed Pugh and his wife, his beautiful wife, Song. And we're going to go have a meal together where we'll talk about radio and we'll talk about various things that are important to both of us. But the primary topic of conversation is going to be about Jesus. And we're going to invite Jesus to come and sit with us and share the meal with us. It's a little mom-and-pop place. I'm eager to go. I was in... Fairfax today, and I looked in the window of that little restaurant. I've never been there. It's a real tiny little hole in the wall. But I'm looking forward to celebrating with Ed in song and with my wife. I don't want to be a lightweight. So how do I become more than a lightweight? Ephesians, the fourth chapter. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Some of you today are separated from the life of God. You are darkened in your understanding And you are lightweights, hellbound. I'm urging you today to change that. Separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Is your heart hard today? Or do you have a tender heart toward others and toward Jesus? Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. These are the people who are lightweights before Almighty God. They want the sensuality of their life. They want the pleasures of their life. 
They deny the authority of God to rule over them. They worship the gods of America, power, pleasure, money. This is verse 20. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with your, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to those who listen. Please, tomorrow, tomorrow night, Thursday, whenever you're going to have your Thanksgiving time with your family, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't gossip. Don't curse. Don't put down. Don't pretend you're more important than they are. Humble your heart. Don't be selfish. Only speak that which will encourage and build up your family members. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. That's what I invite you to do for Thanksgiving this year. Be kind. Be compassionate. Build one another up. Don't tear each other down. Find ways to contribute. Don't go sit on the couch and have a beer and watch some stupid football game. That makes God so angry. It's so wrong. I dare you just to leave the room and don't participate. Find someone else who doesn't want to watch a a foolish, wicked game either and have time to talk together, pray together. If it's not customary for your family to have a, a blessing before you eat, suggest and ask, could I pray before we eat? Find time during that meal to lift up your heart and thank Jesus for what he's done for you this year and bear a a strong testimony of God's goodness to you. It's Thanksgiving time. Let's thank him for his kindness and his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. Don't be a lightweight Don't be cast out with the trash. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for each person who is listening to this broadcast. And I ask, Lord, would you just put your arms around them right now? And if there is a hard bitterness in their hearts, if there is a an unbelief in their hearts, Holy Spirit, would you move into that person right now? And would you ignite in their heart a desire not to be a lightweight that gets thrown away in the trash? Lord, would you put a desire in their hearts to know Jesus Christ? 
to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be utterly given to him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring peace to families all over America. That you would not let them devolve down into the hardness and sensuality and wickedness that so many will plan for this day. Lord, save America. Save out of America those men and women that you are calling now to be a part of your kingdom. Lord, I know your judgment is already spoken over America, and I know America will never again be the great nation it once was. I know your heart is set on destroying this nation, of giving it over to Revelation 13, to being that beast power that insists and demands the mark of the beast. I know this nation will slay many people, martyring Christians. The blood of Christians will flow in this nation. Lord, I know that. But this is thanksgiving. And I'm asking that you would move in the hearts of those who can be moved to draw their hearts to you, Jesus. I ask that you would not allow our transgressions to multiply, that you would not judge us on the scales of eternity and say you are lightweight and you are cast out. Lord, I don't want to be cast out. I don't want to be a lightweight. Come, Lord Jesus. We ask you to wash us. We ask you to enter into us now by the precious blood of Jesus. And we will honor your name. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it is Thanksgiving. And if you would like to give a Thanksgiving offering for the work of the gospel, you're welcome to do that if the Holy Spirit prompts you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage and you're welcome to come and worship with us this Sunday. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I want to thank Gail. I saw your gift this morning. Thank you, dear sister. I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray God's peace and joy in your heart that he will direct your steps and open the way for what he wants you to do, where he wants you to be. My brother and sister, God loves you. He doesn't want to judge you, but he will. I'll talk to you soon.